0: Welcome to another Euro 2020 in 2021, special edition of Talking Foosball. I'm your host, Matt Herman. Everybody enjoying their football? I surely still am considering, you know, we had the tournament's first bona fide if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one around game today as Ukraine took on North Macedonia and well, I was around for it. If the games are on, it just feels right to watch them. This time on Talking Football, we're going to be looking ahead at Germany's next opponent, Portugal. No, die nazi doesn't get to take things slow in the group of death. Yogi and the boys, their death might be sudden indeed if they can't manage to get a result against the reigning European champs. You know, should Germany lose to Portugal, even if they were able to get a big win over Hungary and the third and final group game, which is by no means assured. Three points and a goal difference at the end of the group stage is by no means a secure tally to be one of the top four third-place teams. But, you know, all is not yet lost. Germany might have looked second best in its opener against France, but, you know... Not every team has the elite combination of defensive solidity and quick clinical attacking that the world champs have. And, you know, it was only a 1-0 loss. It could have ended another way, had uh, a few more things bounced Germany's way. It could have been a lot worse, too. Anyway, do Portugal have that combination that France have? I I thought of someone who might be able to help school me in what they do have up their sleeve— Our old pal, Matthew Marshall. You know, what with the pandemic, his German ground-hopping habits have been put on ice for the last 15 months. But he has been writing for the website Portugal. And if you know him, he has always got an eye on the Selesau. My chat with him after a short break. We're welcoming back Matthew Marshall. If you've been listening to this podcast for a couple of years, you will be familiar with this voice. He is a, a very interesting observer of of German football as well as Portuguese football. He's been writing quite a lot lately for Portugal, the Portuguese football website. In fact, wrote a match report about Portugal's 3-0 win over Hungary. You can check that out on the old interwebs. Matthew. It's super good to have you back on Talking Foosball. Super nice to be back, man. I thought it would never happen. Oh, come now. Come now. <laughs> Everything. Every, we all fell out of touch. We all got a little discombobulated over the last year and a half. But I think this is a perfect juncture to, to have you back on.
1: It sure is. Looking
0: forward to it. Sweet, sweet. So yesterday was a big day for, you know, Group F fans. It, oddly enough, you know, you, you're you sort of in the middle of things being uh, someone who, you know, lives in Germany, spends quite a bit of time in Portugal. you Probably have some thoughts about how things went. I want to start things off with my sort of wild hair thesis about the two games yesterday. I, you know, we watched Portugal beat Hungary. Pretty uh, convincing win, let's just say the scoreline. All those late goals uh, certainly, I guess, made up for a bit more clear narrative. Germany went and lost. To France. It was a 1-0 loss, narrow on paper, didn't feel that narrow necessarily. In that respect, we got totally different results for you know, Portugal and Germany who are taking each other on, on, on Saturday. We've got totally different relationships with regard to the quality of the opponents. I mean, France are <laughs> the world champions. They're the best team in the world, I think, if we can all say, Hungary or not. But I feel like these two games had something similar going on. I mean, you had two teams in Hungary. And France, who were really set up to just let their opponents come onto them, and you know, for France it worked, for Hungary it didn't. What what do you make of that?
1: Yeah, I think Hungary are a, a difficult team to break down. They haven't lost in a long time, or they hadn't lost in a long time, I should say. And they, you know, they're one of those teams that don't have a whole lot of star power, and missing one of their better players through injury. So this is a team really built on the collective and the and the teamwork approach. And they were quite difficult to break down. It took Portugal, as you said, quite a long time. The three goals all came really late after the after the eighty-first minute or eighty-fourth minute, I should say. And yeah, the, the score line definitely inflated the, the 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 nature of the match. But Portugal are easily the better team and dominated a large majority of the match. And if things had gone slightly differently, they would have scored in the first half and then it would have been a much more open game. Of course, as the longer these games stay nil-nil then, you know, the more difficult it gets for the team that's dominating the game, as we saw in in that Spain game. So, you know, Portugal are very happy with the win and the way that it happened will will give them a lot of confidence, I'm sure. And, yeah, Germany, unfortunately, not quite good enough against the world champions, but 1-0, I guess, was... (laughs) was, was, uh, The winner won't dent their confidence too much. I thought it could have been a little bit worse. Maybe uh, Joshua Kimmich could have been sent off. Maybe Hummels gave away a penalty. So... It could have been a little bit worse, but definitely no big dramas for them. I don't think many neutral observers expected them to win that game, despite them playing at home. So I think at the end of the day, both results were quite predictable.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I take part in a, uh, you know, a tip spiel, you know, a score prediction game at uh, my, my old employer, a bunch of folks at uh, Deutsche Welle, and, you know... I didn't get either score precisely right, but I did predict a big win for Portugal, and I did predict a one-goal loss for Germany. We're not necessarily here to talk about France because that is now behind Germany and, and you know, two games away for Portugal, but I do want to vent a little bit about the way that France play. I, I, I find it so disappointing that they have, for my money, the best squad of players in the world. And they play such an unattractive sort of meat and potatoes, super simple, you know, sit back and counter kind of a game. I mean, obviously it works. They won a World Cup that way. And maybe, maybe Didier Deschamps has taught us all that, you know, the way to crack the code for international football is have the best players and play the simplest game. But nonetheless, I can't really make friends with it, despite the fact that I love so many of their players.
1: Yeah, I think that you know, it's, it's a lot of these teams have so many games that they completely dominate in the, in in all the the major tournament qualification phases, and then yeah, once you come up against someone like Germany, there's just no real need to open up that much. You know what Germany are going to do? They're extremely predictable. You also know that they're extremely susceptible to the counter attack. So you know, France just really came in with the perfect game plan. So yeah, I don't really share those sentiments too much. I think that. You know, against more average opposition, you'll see France really open up and and, and destroy teams and and attack a lot more. But I think they just did what they had to do. They're a very smart team. They've been together a long time. The manager has been there a very long time. So it was a measured performance. I think they kept Germany at arm's reach. And in the end, it was a pretty comfortable victory.
0: I feel you. I feel you. I, I, I am. I'm an extremist. I, I want expansive football <laughs> at all times. And, uh, you know, may, maybe if I was a France fan, I'd feel very differently. They, they, it does win them a lot of things. Uh, let's go back to talking a little bit about Portugal's play against Hungary. You did mention it took them a very long time to break them down and and also rightly said that this was a game that I think they will feel was a was a pretty big success for them. Not only did they get three goals in the end, they got two goals from their, you know, super-duper star in Cristiano Ronaldo. The substitutes who came into the game in in the second half proved to be, you know, to have a a lot of impact. So in a lot of ways, the game, despite being a bit nail-biting, was good for them. What what do you think they'll be looking to change about the way that they play against a team like Germany, which is, as we saw, a completely different animal to Hungary?
1: Well, there won't be a whole lot of change, I wouldn't have thought, with the formation or lineup or anything like that i think that it will suit them a lot playing against germany that you know as as just mentioned coming up against a lot of these inferior teams with all due respect to hungary you know they sit back and they don't really offer much i don't think hungary really got even close to portugal's goal in the first half so you know playing Portugal, playing germany for portugal will, will be much better they'll be able to use their counter-attacking skills and they will sit in and they will use those two holding midfielders. They might even bring in another midfielder for one of the attackers. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And really go to town on someone like Mats Hummels. If he starts again, then you know, if I was, Fernando uh, if I was doing, you know, the preparation for this match in the video room, I would just be playing that moment where uh, Kylian Mbappe just went past Tomos like he wasn't even there. And I would, I would just, I would just, I would just, I would just have that on a loop. For, for about 10 minutes and just say, this is what we do. This is what we have to do. So get, get Ronaldo, or depending on who else starts, get them around Ronaldo, you know, get other players to take players away from Hummels. And that would just be my go-to move for the entire 90 minutes. That was just incredible. I know not everybody is as fast as Mbappe, but clearly Hummels has some issues turning around and uh, and getting onto the ball. So they have some big problems in that area. So I'm sure Portugal will be looking to counterattack Similar to what France did, I think they'll really, you know, use that as a blueprint to go forward. So, yeah, I, I can really see the the game taking that sort of a, a structure for sure.
0: Who is Portugal's quickest player in your estimation? If they do look to sort of, you know, turn the screws on, on you know, Mats Hummels and, and some other players in, in Germany's squad who are maybe not so fast anymore.
1: Well, Jota mm-hmm. is uh, quite fast. I think Rafa Silva's is quite fast. I doubt Rafa Silva would start. And of course, Ralph Felix is uh, is got a, a pretty pretty quick turn of foot. Also, he didn't play at all in this game. He didn't come off the bench, but it, it wouldn't be a, a massive surprise if he started. You know, I wouldn't be that surprised if Fernando Santos makes something makes a, a bit of a left field decision to to throw a bit of the spanner in, in the works and, and to keep Germany on their toes. So, yeah, for sure to be obviously Ronaldo, despite his age, is still a lot quicker than Matt Hummels. And as I said, Jota, they a silver off the bench later on. Maybe Joel Felix, he could start.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you actually about Joel Felix, and I'm I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because he, you know, clearly the price tag that that's attached to him is a big reason for a lot of the attention that he gets. And also, you know, he won the league with <laughs> Atletico Madrid. I mean, there's he's, he's a big time player. And as you said, he played no role at all in the first group stage match. What is his role in this Portugal team? Does he have a natural place? Is there a point at which he can get into this team? Or is he likely to be someone who is in and out of the side because there's just too many good players in the middle of the park for this team?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Schotter has been in such great form for Liverpool that he's he's a hard guy to leave out. And Bruno Fernandes, obviously, at Manchester United, another guy really hard to leave out. Bernardo Silva, is, uh, although his form for Portugal might not be sensational, is a guy that Fernando Santos is not really going to leave out anytime soon. So, yeah, it's difficult for someone like Joao Felix to get in at the moment. And especially with that formation they're they're playing, it's difficult to find a role. He tends to play quite quite up front when he plays for Portugal. So Ronaldo kind of you know goes a bit bit wider, you might say. So a lot depends on the actual formation that that Santos deploys. But for sure he's up there and he's he's right up on the front line usually when he's playing. He can also do a job a little bit behind the striker or out wide, but you generally find that he's quite prominent in attack when he does play. So you know, he'll get his chance sooner or later, whether that's starting or off the bench. And he's going to be super hungry. So he's going to be a player to watch out for, depending on how many minutes he gets against Germany, for sure.
0: Nice. I wanted to follow up on, you know, the the other extremely high-priced, multiple uh, <laughs> high-priced sales for this guy, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, that is. And, and it's no wonder. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's setting records. He. I guess, became the highest scorer in European championship history, Uh, You know, record player in terms of number of games in Euro finals, fifth tournament final appearance for him. I mean, it's hard to sort of overstate what a big deal he is, not just for Portugal, but in in world football. We all know this. However, there's been a perception at a lot of junctures in the past for, for Portugal, even when they've had success, that this team is really dependent on him, that it's sort of sometimes in a tactical sense, sometimes in a sort of personality sense, is 100% Cristiano's team. I think, and maybe I'm wrong about this, that like at this point, now that he's getting a little older and there's a lot of good young players in this team, that that's just not as true as it was anymore. I mean, I look at this squad that went out against Hungary, and obviously – Ronaldo had a great game. He scored a couple of goals after, you know, not playing a huge part in in the preceding 80 minutes or so. I feel like you could take him out of this team and replace him with, you know, Andre Silva or something like that, if you were looking for another out-and-out striker, for example. And, And I would still really like this team a lot. I think that they would beat most teams. How do you see the relationship between CR7 and the rest of the team at this point?
1: Yeah, I think he's such an intelligent guy and he's so experienced now that, you know, he, he knows exactly what his role is and he knows how important he is to the players around him. So, yeah, I, I don't buy into a whole lot of the mainstream narrative. I think it's it's a very cheap narrative and you've had people saying he's, he's past it or he's too old for, for, you know, five years or so now and all those people just keep getting proved wrong. You know he, he's extremely versatile. Don't forget that they won the 2016 final without him. He got injured in the in, in the first half and he was off the pitch, and that match went all the way to the end of extra time. So they've proven they can do it without him in, in the biggest game of all. So yeah, what you said is absolutely correct. And you know he can he can do it all. He can go out wide if he needs to. He can play that 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 main man. I've thought that he should play the the main man striker position for Portugal for a very long time now, probably since the 2014. Uh, World Cup, so but you know he he can absolutely do whatever he wants <laughs> and play as many minutes as he wants. But yeah, I don't think I don't think that a lot of that narrative is true. I just I just think it's a, a very cheap narrative from a lot of people that don't watch Portugal enough and just look at it in a very simplified way. Um, you know he's got such great players around him now. This is a really really excellent side. You know just look at that front line. But but out of Fernandez, key guy for Manchester United. Uh, Bernardo Silva um, maybe didn't do as much as he did for Manchester City, but still in a superstar team there. Diogo Jota showed that he could step up to a team like Liverpool. So he's surrounded by by excellent players. It wasn't like it was maybe six, seven years ago where there, were, there wasn't that level of talent around him. And, and just look at those players, as you mentioned, João Felix and André Silva, who had a fantastic season for Frankfurt. So this is a superstar Portuguese team at the moment. And as, as you correctly say, that, that they can get by without him, they're obviously not going to be as good, but yeah, he's definitely not hindering anybody else at all. This is a, an extremely strong team, especially up front.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like they're in a really good position right now because there's definitely been times in the careers of players like Cristiano or, or Leo Messi or, or some other sort of outsized superstars where you know, the narrative is actually true that like the the team is too reliant on them and they look to them for too much. And when you have a team this good, I mean, the the full squad is spectacular for this team and you have a superstar. I think that they are a huge threat to win the tournament. Do you agree with that? And do you think that uh, the Portuguese public, the Portuguese media are are on that page as well?
1: I think Portuguese public and media uh generally pessimistic by nature the, the whole country is the whole, <laughs> sure, the whole culture sure. of the, the, the country is by nature because of the history and, and things that have happened a uh, long time ago so i don't think that's going to change in, a, in any time soon despite them obviously being the defending champions of, of, of the european championship i think deep down they'll obviously have very high expectations but i'm sure as soon as the group stage got drawn they would have been like oh god here we go again, but you know, with the third place or a lot, you know, most of the third place teams getting through, there's still a great chance to to get to the next round. So, no, I think that, I think expectations should be high for 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 most rational football supporters. And for sure, Portugal can go a long way. Obviously, France are the favourites and and deservedly so. But you know, Portugal beat them in the last final, and you could say that Portugal are a lot stronger now. And uh, France won't have home advantage, although that didn't help them in the final in 2016. So no doubt Portugal can win this tournament, as can a lot of teams.
0: All right. Well, let's look a little bit more specifically to Saturday's game. I think you, you mentioned already some of the weaknesses of Germany, both their sort of lack of speed in defense, as well as some of their predictability in attack. I would hope that Yogi love, although he has, has proven us all wrong in recent years about his adaptability, that he will make some changes for this Portugal game. Are there are there threats that you see from Germany that you think Portugal might do well to to uh, try and counter?
1: I'm a bit worried about someone like Gnabry up front. I think he's he's very tricky, very very fast, very hard to deal with. And of course, Leroy Sané, he's another guy that that worries me running at, at Portugal's fullbacks. You know, Portugal have shown in previous tournaments that if you can isolate their fullbacks, then you can get a bit of joy there, which is why I'm sure uh, Fernando Santos has gone with two holding midfielders so they can, they can switch over and cover them.
0: Protect a, a certain 38 year old back there?
1: Well, not so much. I think it's mainly for the wide guys. You know, we've seen Rafael Guerrero really become isolated in major tournaments and, and opposition teams really target him. So I'm sure that where Germany are coming up with their game plan that they'll be looking at that and they'll be trying to get some of their speedsters out wide. You might see Timo Werner start this match and obviously he's a big danger with with his ability to to drift out wide and and with his pace to, to take players with him and then other players come through the middle. So that's going to be something Portugal definitely have to worry about. But apart from that, maybe you know if they, i'm sure they're going to stick with their formation so that's going to be something a little bit different for portugal to deal with maybe the the wing backs with 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 gosens and, and kimish running down the flank so they'll have to be wary of that and there's a there's a potential that they might get outnumbered out wide so yeah i, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw fernando santos make a slight variation to this team for a number of reasons and, and maybe go with three central midfielders for that extra cover and to to nullify that threat out wide but I think Portugal should really be confident and, and, and proactive and look to hurt Germany more than, more than really be worried about uh, you know, their, their major threats.
0: Yeah, I think it's really not a good idea to, to let Germany dictate play again. I, I feel you know, the fact that they came even close to getting a result against a team as good as France, largely because France allowed them so much of the ball, seems dangerous if they don't go out and try and control this game. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be very interesting in that both of these teams are not so inclined to do that. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about an event which I think has some parallels to this in that uh, Germany and Portugal took each other on. That was uh, just a couple of weeks ago. The uh, under-21 European Championship Finals. You were there. You were, you know, scouting young players, as, as you so often uh, want to do. Tell me about the uh, both the whole experience of that tournament as well as uh, the Germany-Portugal game there.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit bizarre, obviously, you know, getting the COVID tests before flying and getting COVID tests before every match. And, uh, you know, so that was, added a little bit of stress to the whole situation. You, you just never know if you're going to somehow test positive and all your plans are going to go out the window but you know fingers crossed nothing nothing like that happened there obviously wasn't a huge media presence there because of everything that's going on but i was very thankful and grateful that i was able to get accreditation for that tournament and head there and there was um, there was quite a few supporters in the stadium and, and fans of both the nations and all the all the matches that i was at so there was a bit of atmosphere there it wasn't i had a few doubts about that you know in the months leading up to it if there might be empty stadiums or something which has been one of the reasons I haven't really bothered to, to go to any matches for over a year. So that was certainly nice. And, yeah, as I just said, I, that was the first games I've been to for since since March or, or February, March 2020. So it was incredible to, you know, for that length of time without going to a live football game. And obviously, as you mentioned, I love going to see these these youth tournaments. So it's only my second one. I love watching them, but second one in, in, in person. And, yeah, it was great. Portugal played against Italy. And then Spain, so that was, you know, high-quality players. Spain really dominated the Portugal in the in the semifinal, but Portugal managed to get it done. And then, as you say, took on Germany, and that was uh, really good. I was really close to the German supporters. They brought quite a lot and um, good atmosphere there. And high-quality game could have gone either way, I thought, if you want to dissect it you know in a, in a huge way little things happen here and there Portugal had a great chance at the end of the first half they didn't quite take and if they had taken that it would have been a, a different game I, w- I would have thought and then yeah Germany scored the uh scored the goal early in the second half I was really happy I, I was on my way to Mainz and I remember getting the match sheet there and Riedel Baku was was lining up for Mainz and I had no idea who he was and the story went that he was on his way to the to to play for the the second team and they had to stop the bus somewhere on the autobahn and Send a car to go and pick him up because they'd had a lot of injuries in, in, the, in, the, in the morning in the preparation for the game. So he had to rush back to Bayern and, and start his first game for them. And he ended up scoring in the 90th minute against Leipzig. It was three nils and he scored, you know, in front of their ultras. And it was just a fantastic moment to see him on his debut score that goal and then not long after I went back to Mainz and he's <laughs> they had a massive picture of him on the side of the stadium and you know it was just incredible to see him in this game playing so well obviously now he's moved to Wolfsburg and he's obviously close to the the, the, the senior side and to see him play so well and to see him develop like that in in the space of a couple of years just just really brings a lot of joy to, to me to to see that sort of stuff and that's only one player. So, yeah, that was from a personal point of view to, to have the privilege of seeing him make his debut for Mainz and now seeing him again help play or play a large role in, in helping Germany win the under 21 championship. It was really fantastic. And, yeah, a lot of these players have bright futures. Florian Wirtz, obviously, we know about. Arne Meyer has been on the radar for a long time. And, um, yeah, Lucas Semecho is, is a quality player. He's scored a massive amount of goals in the qualifications phase, and he's a very good player. And uh, yeah, quite a few of the Portuguese players. Fabio Vieira, I've been raving on about him for, for a very long time, and uh, he won the Player of the Tournament award. And uh, hopefully, he can go on to to big things, and um, we can see a lot from him in the next couple of years.
0: I was looking up Fabio Vieira in the uh, the tournament the tournament website. For oh, I got sidetracked. Sorry. Fabio <laughs> Vieira couldn't
1: get much playing time for Porto. A lot of these players actually uh, helped Porto win the what's it called, the UEFA Champions League Youth Tournament. So um, he's, he's come through the ranks. He's he's a technician. He he hasn't got a whole lot of playing time in a Porto side that has more grafters and, and hard workers and physical players. But if he can uh, get some playing time maybe somewhere else or have a, have a word with a manager and, and see how he fits in next season, then he's got a huge future. But, yeah, he has to get playing time like so many of these young players to really reach their potential. But... Yeah, he's, he's got all the skills. He's uh, got great vision, technical ability. He can shoot. He can assist. He can pretty much do it all. He's a fabulous player to watch and I hope to, uh, I hope to see him flourish in the coming years.
0: Nice. Uh did was there anything you you could you learned from that uh from that match as far as I mean I'm looking at the uh, the tactical setup it looks like both coaches use something completely different than the uh the senior managers do. So I don't think there's really much to learn there. Are there players outside of Fabio Vieira and um you know maybe maybe the likes of Reid Lebaku and and Fabian Wirtz are there other Portuguese players who you think might be able to make an impact for Portugal at the grown-ups level in the coming years?
1: I, th- I think Diogo Costa, the goalkeeper, has a very bright future, and he could be successor to Rui Petruccio in four or five years. I, I think he's, he's an excellent goalkeeper. Diogo Delot already got called up to the national side to cover for Joao Cancelo, but I think that was more of a fitness he was caught up because he's, he's he's fitter than the other two guys who are on holiday, I imagine, in Ricardo Pereira and, and Cedric Suarez. So I still think he's sitting behind three or four guys at right back. Vitinha has got a bright future. Uh, he's obviously coming through at Wolves. He's a very good player, but a lot depends on the the players ahead of them in the senior side and what position they play and. And how many players are already in the in those situations? So we've already seen Nuno Mendes, who was in this under 21 side, he's already at the at the senior side now at left back as cover for Guerrero. You've obviously got Pote, so he's uh, had a great season for Sporting. He was also in the in the qualification and in the group stage for Portugal. So a lot of the players have already made that step up. Pedro Neto was already in the group in the qualification stage. He probably would have been in uh, in Hungary and and Germany if he wasn't injured. So there's already been heaps of players step up for, to, to the senior side. But, yeah, I would say Fabio Vieira, but it's going to take him a, a while because it's just back, you know, so many players in the senior side in his position uh, ahead of him. So it's going to take a long time for Vitinha, Fabio Vieira to get there. And They'd be the main two, I would think. A lot of the other players really need to get more playing time for their clubs. And, of course, yeah, Diogo Costa isn't even a starter for Porto yet, but I think he should be. And I think you'll probably see him be Portugal's number one, as I said, in maybe five years.
0: Nice, nice. I, I like that prediction there. And speaking of predictions, I want one for Germany versus Portugal uh, on on Saturday. What? How do you think it's going to play out?
1: Yeah, I think Portugal will win. I don't. I, I haven't. I haven't really enjoyed. I haven't really watched Germany uh, since the World Cup. They were just so bad, and. I really was disappointed that Yogi Love didn't resign and just, just walk away and just just realize that it was over for him at that at that level. Uh, you know, Obviously, you look back on, on his achievements at, in 2014 and that can never be taken away from him. And he's always going to be a World Cup winner. But Germany were just so bad in, in, in Russia they were just pathetic. They were hopeless. It was terrible to watch. And he completely lost this team then, and I don't think he's got it back. You know, Müller and and, and, Müller and Hummels, that's just it's just ridiculous, really, leaving those guys out for so long and then bringing them back. Just, just really, really sad for German supporters and to have to watch this team full of so much talent. And so... I don't wanna sort of give too much of, of my thoughts about Yorgi Love. I, I guess I just did, but hey. yeah, I really think this, this I really just think this team has suffered so badly over the last few years because of his his um, inability to walk away. I, I thought he should have just walked away. Anyway, yeah, I think Portugal have more than enough weapons to hurt Germany and they will use that same sort of tactics as as France and, and let them have a lot of the ball. And then they will they will hit them on the counter and try and isolate Hummels as much as possible, assuming he starts. And I'm sure that that will bring them a lot of joy. I'm sure that they'll that, get a lot of rewards. Also, remember that there's a lot of uh, lot of scores to settle here because the 2014 World Cup, Germany beat Portugal 4-0, and Muller scored a hat trick and basically got help to get uh, Pepe sent off. Pepe fell for the fell for the bait and got sent off and I'll never forget that match I, I, I just couldn't watch it anymore it was the first Portugal's first match of the tournament and they, their entire campaign was almost derailed because of uh, Germany in, in that in that game so a lot of scores to settle here not only from a, a national point of view but some, some individual players uh, they'll be thinking about that for sure so I really think Portugal can get it done I, I think they have the weapons to hurt Germany and um you know Germany have to come out uh, and go for this and and Portugal will be more than happy to let them try.
0: Matthew Marshall, I'm afraid you're right. I'm afraid that unless uh, big changes are are made, it could be another long night at the office for Germany. Thanks for coming on and 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 sharing your expertise and and sharing your unvarnished opinion about Yogi live. I think we all know it's a bit of a you know hostage situation. <laughs> it's about to end though, so.
1: Well, anything can happen, mate. It is a game of football. We all know that, and yeah, any anything can happen on the day. But yeah, I've just been really, really sad for for, for Germany over the last couple of years. It just it, it hasn't looked good, and it hasn't really looked like getting any better. So, hopefully, for German supporters, they can turn it around. We'll see. But obviously, being <laughs> for me uh, supporting Portugal, I really hope that we can uh, we can smash them and uh, and get a really a really good confidence building victory.
0: Right on. Thanks for coming on Talking Foosball again. No worries. It's Ent- Splendid to have you back. Enjoy the matches. Look, uh, thanks for having me on. Okay, that is it for this edition of Talking Foosball. Many thanks again to Matt for joining me. And you can hear more of him on Portugal's Euro 2020 podcast, which you can find on their website, P-O-R-T-U-G-A-O-L.net, Portugal.net. We'll be back this weekend We'll be mulling over what happened in game number two for Germany, as well as uh, figure out what's next. There's some nicks to mull, y'all.